All right, moving into our scripture, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 17, verses 3 to 5. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Awesome. Thank you, Christina. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness is our, our topic of discussion today. Forgiveness, it seems to me, has the power, unlike anything else in our lives, to bring wholeness and healing. Uh, I don't want to... Uh, over, uh, underdo this here. I really believe that forgiveness can bring healing and wholeness into our lives in a way unlike anything else. Uh, it, it seems to me that across the board, we are wrestling with the idea of forgiveness. So for instance, at the societal level, uh, there are plenty of things that, you know, if someone were to do something as a culture, we would be really quick to forgive. Maybe in, that, maybe in a way a lot of people would say overly quick, too quick to forgive. But then there's other things at the cultural level that when it comes to people doing those things, well, they're unforgivable. And then at the personal level, the personal level, it's like when we, when we want or we feel like we need forgiveness, well, we're all about forgiveness then. But then when it comes to, well, someone needing forgiveness from us, wanting forgiveness from us, well, that's it's a bit of a different story. I'm no theologian, but I believe learning to forgive, so learning to offer forgiveness, learning to receive forgiveness, learning to forgive has a power to unlock healing and wholeness in our lives unlike anything else. Bring healing and wholeness into our marriages, bring healing and wholeness into strained relationships, bring healing and wholeness into the workplace. And it's something that is so important, yet even for those who believe in its power, understand the power of forgiveness, it can be incredibly challenging. I mean, this is why, for instance, the disciples uh, respond right after Jesus talks about forgiving in this way with increase our faith. Put a different way, his disciples are saying, Jesus, if you're calling us to forgive like this, we're going to need some help. And so this is a big deal for his disciples, and it's a big deal for his disciples, his followers today. We are to forgive. As we conclude our series that we've been in, this series, Unpacking the Essentials, where we've been in this part of Luke's gospel account where Jesus is having all these, these just different separate teachings on different essentials in life. Uh, we come today to unpacking forgiveness, and it really has a power to unlock some healing and wholeness into our lives, unlike anything else. And so we're going to consider its importance. And uh, Jesus just gives us an absolute master class here in three very short verses on forgiveness. So what we're going to do is we're going to consider why it's so important and how to go about it. Okay, let's pray, and then we'll, then we'll jump in. Father, we come to you as the one... Uh, who sent his son to forgive. You are the great forgiver. And so, Father, as we consider your words and your teaching on forgiveness, Lord, would you give us your spirit to understand not only our minds, but also into our hearts what it is you call each of us into today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here we have this master class on forgiveness from Jesus, why we need it, how to do it, and our text today is going to be our outline. The first thing Jesus says is, watch yourselves. Okay, Jesus says, watch yourselves, and he goes on to talk about forgiveness when someone wrongs you. That's a fascinating thought, 
that he starts by saying, watch yourself. Because when someone wrongs you, what is your knee-jerk automatic response typically? But to watch what they are doing, what they have done but not look inward, not look at ourselves. Uh, our translation, Jesus says, watch yourselves, but it also can be translated, be alert, take heed, pay attention to yourselves. When someone has wronged you, that's precisely the moment when you need to pay attention to yourself, to watch yourself. Because if you don't, well, things can easily start to slip away from you. Things can easily start to go down a slippery slope where it's not necessarily for the good of things, including for ourselves. Put differently, Jesus says when you've wronged somebody, or excuse me, when somebody's wronged you, be very careful that you don't become blind to a, an unforgiving spirit in yourself. Something that's really hard to see. Uh, Hebrews 12 verse 15 says this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I feel like it's a really helpful metaphor. It's like there's these subterranean roots in us. If we're not careful, we got to watch out for. The image that comes to mind is, is as if you had in your backyard a tree that you've decided has become a bit of a nuisance and you need to get, get rid of it. So you go out there and you cut it down to its stump and you declare to yourself, all right, I've dealt with the tree. But you haven't really dealt with the tree, have you? Underneath the surface, hidden to the eye, there's still all these roots. And that's the point here. Jesus is saying if you leave an unforgiving spirit unchecked, well, Hebrews 12, 15 tells us it can, it can bring about trouble. It can bring about the defiling for, for many. You've got you've to watch out. And, you know, we understand this to be true. Because when we've been wronged, if we don't watch ourselves, if we don't take care, take heed, what can easily happen is we start to foster, say, anger, resentment, and it just starts to develop. And lo and behold, before long, underneath the surface, there's a lot of bitter roots. Uh, we may say, I can't forgive because that person doesn't deserve it, right? I can't forgive because that person needs to pay. But the problem with that is often when that's the case and we have this bitterness underneath it is the one who's actually paying here is ourselves. And that wrongdoing or wrongdoer still actually holds power over us. I was reminded this, this week of a buddy of mine in high school. He was a really good guy, really smart, really nice, which, you know, in high school terms is not very <laughs> commonplace, but he's a really nice guy. He's just kind of the person I was thinking, would think he's going to go far in life. And I remember he uh, was dating this, this gal, a good gal. Um, they, had a, they had a good relationship, all until things just kind of went south and it didn't work out for them. Uh, I understand every story has different sides and all that sort of, or sort of stuff, but for the sake of, of our, our, what we're saying today, essentially that gal wronged him in a way. And she actually at some point kind of owned up to it. But she, she wronged him and that's kind of where the relationship went south and, you know, they, they parted ways. What's tragic about his case is that just, just stuck with him. Like that, the, the hurt from that relationship and specifically the wrong that he felt she had done to him just totally just changed who he was from that point on. Not, not only in terms of his going out and dating other people in the future, but even just other relationships at large. He was never the same after that, sadly. Uh, someone once said, resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. 
Resentment or not forgiving the other person is like waiting for, waiting for the other person to die when you've taken the, po- taken the poison. Many of you carry a lot of pain with you. Uh, you've carried a lot of hurt. And I just want to say, I just want to bookmark here, that, that, that doesn't mean that justice is to be thrown out the window. We'll get back to that. But what Jesus is calling us out on this teaching of, on repentance to first, he's saying is watch yourself. Pay attention to yourself. Be alert. Do the internal work to understand and see if there's a bitter root that has grown, like resentment or anger, because it can come out hurting yourself, hurting others. And I would just add, before we move on here, that to the Christ follower, to his followers, Jesus is not giving a suggestion here. But he's, he's commanding his followers, you've got to forgive. You've got to do these things. That's the first thought. He says, watch out. Pay attention to yourself. Next, he says, be sure to relate. Okay, my word, but we'll look at his words. This idea goes, goes by so quickly here, we could easily miss it. Jesus says, watch yourself. And then he says, if your brother or sister sins against you. Uh, when someone wrongs you, Jesus is saying, make sure that you're identifying with them. Relate to them. Now, real quickly, pastoral sidebar here. Uh, we may be tempted to go, okay, Jesus is only talking to those brothers and sisters of the faith. He's only talking to Christians, that Christians need to forgive each other in this way. Uh, that's not necessarily just the case, because there's other places where Jesus talks about this, scriptures talk about this, where his followers are called to forgive their neighbors, Love their neighbors, love their enemies. So his specific is not only to his followers, even as there is a special emphasis here. Okay. But his point is, he's, he's asking the question, are you relating to them when you've been hurt? Are you watching yourself, first of all, but are you identifying, are you seeing them as a brother or sister? In other words, are you recognizing that they, just like you, are sinful? Are you watching for that? Are you identifying with them? Uh, We need to understand that, especially as a follower of Jesus, when someone wrongs us, we need to immediately understand that we ourselves have been wronged and treat them accordingly. If you're here last week, you know that we, we had a message unpacking humility. Incidentally, I feel like humility and forgiveness go quite hand in hand, okay? But in that message, we looked at the very famous parable or spiritual story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And Jesus made the point, we saw, that the Pharisee, this religious leader, was essentially just as sinful as the tax collector, The person who in that day and age would have been seen as a social and moral outcast. The religious leader in Jesus' mind was essentially just as sinful. And the way we talked about it, my dad's old mentor put it this way, is comparing your sin to someone else's is like comparing the circumference size of two gnats. Like, is there a difference? Sure. But really? No. There's no difference. And as God sees it, when you've been wronged, when you've been wronged, you need to identify that that person is just as sinful as, as you are. You need to relate to them, understand them. Are we quick to do this? Are we quick to see that they're sinful like we are? No, which is why Jesus is teaching it. We need to relate to them. Because when someone has wronged us, what do we typically do? We typically go ahead and elect ourselves to be judge, juror, and prosecutor, right? And we decide, well... That's them, and this is who we are. We're different. 
Marriage is a classic counterexample to this. In marriage, if you've ever been in a place where you've just, you know, say one person has like snapped at the other and said, you're just doing this, you're, this is what you've done to wrong me. The other person might say, time out, wait a minute, but, but what about you? And that's the very same thing. Of course, the conversation never really kind of goes in a good place usually at that point. But if you were to just kind of step back objectively, you'd re- recognize that there are shreds of truth there. I mean, almost certainly when we're upset about something, we've almost certainly ourselves done something similar, if not the exact same thing ourselves. And yet in that moment, we don't see that. In that moment, we're not relating with them. Jesus said in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, said very famously, don't judge. And then he added this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank or the log in your own? And of course, his his point is that you and I are exceedingly blind to our own failings, our own misgivings, and we tend to be incredibly proud when it comes to actually dealing with them ourselves. And so what Jesus here is talking about when it comes to forgiveness is he said, make sure you identify with them, and that'll go a long way. Uh, If I can put another word to what we're saying is I believe Jesus is calling us to empathy. We need to be empathetic. When someone wrongs us, we need to be quick to not just look at, look at what they've done and, and how we're different and we didn't do that to them, but to look, one, ourselves, make sure there's no bitterness, bitter root growing, but also look to where they're coming from and recognize, well, let's have the full picture. It was interesting, the other, the other night, I think it was Friday night, I was driving just a couple of blocks. It was like pizza night, so I'm like, I'm going to get pizza right down the street just to pick it up. And I'm not making this up. I got cut off three times, three times going like five blocks. And even if you'd like to say, well, David, you're probably three times. Okay. That probably means it says something more about your driving than theirs. Like they were running stop signs. Like one dude ran a stop sign and almost hit me. Like literally, it's like really, really came close to hit me and then had the audacity to honk at me. I'm like, what in the world? So in the moment, that's my response. What in the world? There's a stop sign there. You're honking at me, right? That's where I go. I almost feel, okay, sorry, I'm getting a little off track here, but <laughs> here's a meta thought for you. Take it, take it for what it is. I almost feel like you can watch what's happening in our culture in the driving world. Because I'll tell you, before the pandemic, people weren't cutting people off anywhere near as much as they are now. I'm just saying. I mean... I feel, okay, so in the moment, I'm like, what in the world? There's like, you know, okay, hopefully I'm not going crazy, but that's where my heart goes. But, not, but you know what? I'm realizing like, man, there are so many people just living on edge right now coming out of the pandemic. And it's coming out in their driving. It's coming out in their marriages. It's coming out in their interactions with you in the workplace. It might not have anything to do with you. It might come out of their mouths as having everything to do with you and not have anything to do with you or only slightly have something to do with you. Are you, are you tracking? But if we're not careful here, you know what we do? We immediately just go, well, then they, we, we don't watch out our own hearts and we don't relate. We don't see them as struggling. Oh my goodness. This thought alone could bring so much healing and life into your marriage. Empathy recognizing that that person, the other, is struggling as you are struggling, perhaps. Jesus is saying, we've got we've to relate. We've got to look 
to love. Watch yourself. Be sure to relate. And then number three, he says, rebuke. Okay, watch out. Verse three, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. So real quickly, let's understand here, Jesus is not saying, as we've been kind of getting into this teaching on forgiveness, that you can go ahead and pretend that the wrong didn't happen. He's not saying that. In fact, that's one of the objections that's often leveled at the Christian faith is, oh, the Christians are too forgiving. It's just like they're just rolling over and just allowing wrongdoing just to go on unchecked. But Jesus is saying here, actually, rebuke. Rebuke. Um, The Bible teaches both forgiveness and justice, which is so important. It's not forgiveness without justice, and it's not justice without forgiveness. It's both. So, Jesus is saying, when someone sins sins against you, it may be appropriate to rebuke them. Now, I'm using the word may because not every little wrong ought to be raised to the surface and dealt with, okay? Every commentator I read this week said, surely Jesus isn't saying every single wrong ought not to be rebuked. Otherwise, we would not go 10 feet before having to stop and deal with another thing. And by the way, there's places like Ephesians 4 that say, bear with one another. Or Proverbs where it says, it is to one's honor if they overlook an offense. Okay? But there are still times where Jesus says, yes, you need to rebuke lovingly. Now, what does it mean to rebuke? It means to bring something to the surface. I would say privately, in an honoring way, but to address the wrong as you have experienced it. Uh, Ephesians 4.16 gives really helpful language in this. It tells us that we are called to speak the truth in love to each other. John 1 tells us that Jesus came full of grace and truth. There's a bit of a tension here when it comes to rebuking. Okay, and actually this tension is in our text. Because Jesus doesn't start by saying rebuke. He starts with what? Saying, watch yourself and relate to them as a brother and sister. Okay, and then he says rebuke. There's a tension I like to call it the grace and truth tension or truth and love tension. You guys know those exercise bands uh, that you have? You just kind of pull on them. There's a a tension there. It's a good, it's a a loving one. Jesus says rebuke, but do that in in its proper order and place. Watch yourself. Make sure there's no bitter root growing in you. And relate and then rebuke. And then you can start to see how rebuking can actually be more helpful and perhaps actually pushing the ball forward in a, in a helpful way. Uh, because when we think about this, we can actually be firm and loving at the same time. Because if we rebuke in this way, we're not coming across as we are morally superior than the other. And we're not coming across as a judgmental way. Now, as we do this, as we humbly kind of say, hey, here's the wrong as I experienced it, uh, hopefully, in a perfect world, the other will go, you are absolutely right. My bad. I own that. Would you forgive me? But we don't live in a perfect world. <laughs> and that's not always the case. I would just say, it's not at that point when you go, okay, now I need to switch back to guns. And just lean in on the true side. Lean in on the rebuke without the watching. No, 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 no. You stick with it. Why? Because, first of all, Jesus tells us to. But second of all, the reason why he tells us to is that actually opens the door for healing and life and perhaps change if needed to actually enter into that relationship. We're called to watch ourselves. We're called to relate to the other. We're called to... We're called to rebuke in this way, lovingly and firm way. And I, I would just say, 
I would just say, something that really stood out to me in this text, and this is so often what Jesus is doing, is in all of this, if you'll notice, in all of this, Jesus is most interested in the person finding healing and change. By the way, yours too. He's not interested in just the mechanics of rebuking, the mechanics of forgiving, he, the mechanics of watching yourself. He's interested in those things in order to help you and in order to help the other, in order to help and foster a good relationship, including the rebuking, which starts to help us get our minds around, hearts around, what, rebu- what a good, appropriate way of loving the rebuking means. It means doing it for the good of the other. And certainly, we can all think of examples of times when, say, we ourselves were in in the wrong, doing something we ought not to, and it was for our best that someone came up and said, hey, by the way, maybe you should think about that. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Jesus is always interested in their good, your good, the good of the relationship. We're called to watch out, we're called to relate, we're called to rebuke, and then finally, of course, we're called to forgive. Watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. So to repent means to have a change of mind, change of heart, and the best you can move in a different direction. That's what it means to repent. To forgive is actually an economic word. Uh, It's interesting. Back in the ancient days, uh, in the Greek, this was an economic term. To forgive as in to forgive someone's debt which is a really helpful way to think about forgiveness, even relationally, because when a wrong has occurred, a debt has incurred along with it. Uh, classic example is when a little kid hits another kid. What does that kid who's got hit do? Turn around, try to hit the other person. Like, you hit me, I'm going to hit you. Here's the debt back. And we do this the same, adults, right? Maybe it's more relational and emotional. And often the way that we retaliate or pay back the debt or ask for the debt to be repaid is based on our personality type, wouldn't you say? For some, when we are wronged, what do we do? We lash out. Maybe we raise our voice. Maybe we call some names. Maybe we threaten. I don't know. For some, we withdraw. Our personality type has us withdrawing. So we, you know, we say remarks a little bit more passively and they come out sideways or we gossip or we angle to make their life a little bit more painful to try to stick it to them. But to forgive someone is to absorb and release that debt. To forgive someone is to go, yes, there has been a wrong here, but I'm going to, with the help of God, cast it aside and not interest myself in trying to stick it back to them. Is this hard? It's incredibly hard. And if that weren't hard enough, Jesus pressed further. Verse four, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now, real quickly, I find this really interesting because Jesus here is saying, hey, when it's our job, when it's our role to forgive the other, we ought not to question their sincerity. Do you see that? Because it's built into the logic here. If someone came to you and sinned seven times in the same day and came back seven, those seven times saying, I am sorry, I messed up. Jesus says, you must forgive them. In that situation, you're probably going to be tempted to question their sincerity, wouldn't you say? You're saying you repent, but I don't, you're not showing it. Or not, not the way I, th- right? Built in, Jesus is saying, you must forgive. 
You must forgive. It's no wonder the disciples exclaimed at this, increase our faith. (laughs) You resonate with that? How could Jesus say in no uncertain terms, not just forgive, you must forgive? How could he say that? He could say that because that's the gospel. Jesus told a story of a man who owed an egregiously enormous amount to the king. And this, and he came before the king, the king brought him before him, and the servant pled, pleaded with the king, saying, hey, have mercy on me, forgive me this debt. And the king went, okay, this debt is forgiven. So the man left the king, just overjoyed, was out and about, and then that servant came across a servant of his own who owed, who owed him just a marginally small debt, but enough of a debt to like, you know, get this guy in jail. And so this servant whose debt the king had forgiven goes to this next servant, this much smaller debt, and says, hey, you owe me this debt, pay up, give me what's mine. And this next servant goes, okay, I hate him. He pleads for mercy. Would you, would you forgive me this debt? And the, the, the forgiven servant from the king goes, no, 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 give me what's mine, or you're going to be thrown in jail. Has that servant thrown in jail? Okay, even if you don't know this story, you're not familiar with it, you know where Jesus is going with the story. The king catches wind that that first servant didn't forgive that other servant's debt, has him come back into his presence and says, look, what in the world are you thinking? I forgave you a debt that you couldn't have paid back to me if you had had many lifetimes to work it off. And yet you had this little debt, very little debt, that this other servant owed you and you demanded that he pay, and he threw that servant into jail. The gospel is the king of kings came into this world to die on the cross for your sin and mine. And that is no small thing. Your many sins and my many sins, the ones that are kind of sort of to the most egregious and grievous ones. And so when we go, you know what? I can't forgive you this little slight. We go, we forget that God has forgiven us all slights that we ever did against him. And Jesus is saying, if we don't forgive, perhaps the gospel hasn't really sunk into our hearts because that is the gospel. It is tragic to me you know, as a pastor, humbly speaking, I've, I've come across, you know, some individuals in my life, no one here comes to mind, where this person is seen as a very mature follower of Jesus, just a very mature Christian, the way they live their lives sacrificially, their faith, all sorts of things. But when it comes to the area of forgiveness, they are not quick to forgive, if able to forgive at all. And Jesus would say, has the, has the gospel really sunk into their hearts? Jesus taught us to pray in his Lord's prayer, in his model prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive our sinners. Uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Actually, the old King James uses the language we're talking about today. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus is saying you must forgive because this is what God has done for you. Human forgiveness is based on the experience of divine forgiveness. And the extent you receive and experience his love is the degree that you can offer that to others. And so, friends, if you're here today and you have resentment, you have bitterness deep down, first of all, the Lord sees that. He's empathetic, amazingly enough. 
He loves you, cares for you in the midst of that, but you, he wants you to be free from that. You must forgive, Jesus says. Uh, is this a hard teaching? Absolutely. But is it a beautiful and, and, and potentially life-changing one? Yes, as much, if not more. To not forgive is to essentially create a little bit of a, se- a jail cell of your own making and throw away the key. Jesus doesn't want this for you. He wants you to be set free. And I would just say, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, I have, I have this fear that justice will not be served, God takes care of that fear for you too. Because God is not just the forgiver, he's the just. And the promise is he's going to come back and he's going to right every wrong. Listen to Romans 12. I'm, I'm going to read just some of what's going to be on the screen for you. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but... Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Jesus often taught with the words, let those with ears hear. I feel like in our culture, this is one of those moments where I feel like Jesus would want us to especially lean in. Uh, We need to hear this teaching on forgiveness. Combined with the teaching, I would say, of last week's with humility, these things go hand in hand, as I said. But some of you, you have a hurt. You You have a wrongdoing that was committed against you. Maybe like my buddy back all the way to high school or whatever it might be, in workplace, a couple years, whatever it might be. Jesus wants to free you from that. He cares about justice. Wrongdoing is wrongdoing. But he wants you to be free and experience his life. Some of you, you're in relationships where you've been caught in a cycle of attack, blame, and hurt. God wants to free you of that. So he tells us, watch out, relate, rebuke, and forgive. And if you're thinking, there's just no way, you're in the company of his disciples who prayed, increase our faith. And that's what we believe Jesus will do for us. So let's pray. And then we're going to come to the table and receive forgiveness, the grace of his forgiveness as we, as we take the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you so much. that you, for, you have forgiven us. When we put our faith in you, we are so grateful that you have forgiven us. Not just kind of, sort of but in a way infinitely beyond what we can even understand or acknowledge for ourselves. Thank you. And Father, forgive us for how we are not quick to forgive others. Not least of which because it just shows that we haven't fully let settle into how much you have forgiven us. And so, Father, we ask along with the disciples who asked that day, would you increase our faith? Would you help us trust you as forgiver and judge? We need your help in this. Boy, this takes a lot of wisdom and grace. And Father, would you help us, help us to receive this and extend this to others, especially those closest in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.